so a little over a year ago, we moved um, to our new house. And since we moved to our new house, I've been fascinated to watch right across the street from us, um, there's a vineyard. And I've been fascinated to watch all the work um, that they do in the vineyard on the vines. I mean, I always knew that a key component was, you know, managing the vines and, and uh, pruning and that kind of thing. Um, but I kind of would just assume that it's like once a year, like there's a certain time of year you just prune the vines and it's done for, for the next crop, right? Um, well, as, as I've lived there across from uh, this vineyard and, and watching them, they're, they're constantly year-round um, it's a 365-day uh, kind of process that they work on these vines, just nonstop. Um, there's somebody out there constantly pruning, constantly uh, treating the vines, caring for the vines, making sure the vines are, are well cared for so that um, they're ready for the next crop, and the next crop will be as good as it possibly could be. Um, well, today in our passage, Jesus picks up on this topic um, this topic of vines and branches. And we're in uh, John chapter 15 um, is where we are today. Um, but before we get to today's passage, um, I want to give you a little Old Testament knowledge um, just to bring to our, to our minds as we approach this passage for today. Uh, in Psalm 80 uh, verses 8 and 9, this image of the vine um, is used to refer to, to Israel. Um, and it's, it's said that, that out of Egypt, um, God has brought his vine and he's established it. And so throughout the Old Testament, there's a running uh, kind of imagery for Israel being the vine, being the vine of God. Um, but it also goes on with that imagery, like in Isaiah 5 and Jeremiah 2, to talk about how corrupt Israel has become and how it's not functioning as the vine that God intended it for it to function as. Um, Jeremiah says that, that it now produces wild grapes, that it's not producing the fruit that it was supposed to pr produce. It's not doing what it was supposed to do. Um, and so in Jesus' day, the people had taken up this language and this identity, and they really found their identity in being the vine, being the vine of God. Um, so much so that on the outside of the temple, at the entrance to the temple, they had constructed uh, a golden vine. Um, so it was, a, it was like a big golden sculpture that they had going all the way up and down uh, the post on the entrance to the temple. And uh, this golden vine was made by people coming and bringing gold, bringing lumps of gold or whatever, and donating it. And, uh, and then the craftsmen, the goldsmiths, would take those donations and they would form them and shape them into either a new leaf to put on the vine or a new cluster of grapes to put on the vine. And, uh, and people would take great pride in, oh, that's my leaf over there. I donated the gold for that leaf or I donated the gold for those grapes over there. Um, and they took great pride in that um, because they saw themselves as the vine of God. And that's, that's the, the mindset that I want us to have as we approach what Jesus is saying here because I think when we understand that context of what the people he's talking to would understand, then we can understand what he's saying here even better. So John 15, Jesus says this, I am 
the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So here, Jesus is saying, hey, all this talk about vines, you know, that's, that's a nice little golden sculpture thing you got going on over there outside the temple. But here's the deal. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. I'm the vine that's not corrupted. I'm the vine that doesn't produce wild grapes. I am the true vine. I'm the pure vine from God, and that is who I am. I am the source for all of the branches that grow off of me. I hear a lot of people, uh, maybe not a lot, but I hear some people today really trying to understand Christianity in light of the Old Testament. And they um, go to a lot of the Old Testament to understand the new, which is kind of what we just did, right? We just said, like, here's, here's what the people Jesus is talking to would have understood about this topic. And then here's what Jesus said, which is a good thing to do. Um, but we, we run into danger when we start elevating the Old Testament. We start elevating um, these, these things from the Old Testament up above Jesus, because what Jesus is saying right here in this passage is all the Old Covenant, all the Old Testament stuff, all of that, all the promises to Abraham, all the promises to Moses, um, the Mosaic Covenant, the Abrahamic Covenant, all of that and was this vine. But here's the deal. I'm the true vine. All of that was pointing to me. All of that was ultimately coming and leading to me, not the other way around. You can't just tack on Jesus to the Old Testament and kind of make it work. Because now on this side of the cross, we look back and we say, oh, we can understand the Old Testament because it all points to Jesus. Jesus is the central figure in all of it. He is the vine. He is the true vine. And it's through him that we can understand these things. And so he's, he's saying, hey, I am the true vine. You don't need all this other anymore. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He's clear on that. But he did come to fulfill it. And that's what he did. He fulfilled it. And so no longer do we live under that Old Testament system, but instead we get to live under the grace of Jesus Christ. Here's the key point for this whole passage. We all need to abide in Jesus' love. We all need to abide in Jesus' love. What does it mean to abide? It means to dwell there, to live there. This is where you have your being. This is your source of strength. This is your source of nourishment. This is your source of everything. 
that your source of everything is coming from him. And you get to be in that place, and you're just like a branch that's connected to a vine. When it, as long as it's connected to that vine, it can grow and thrive. But the second that it's cut off, it is dead and done. It is hopeless without the vine. And why is this so important? Because those who don't, well, they are cut off and they're thrown away. That's what he says in this passage. What do you do with dead vines? You throw them in the fire. Dead branches are thrown in the fire. And Jesus is using that illustration to point to this is what's going to happen to mankind, to to men who don't know Jesus, who don't have him as their source, who aren't connected to him as the one true vine. Whether that be someone who is believing in uh, the old vine of, of being a descendant of Israel, or whether that is someone who's believing in any other thing that's out there today for their hope and their life. But the reality is that God will take those and he will cut them off and they will be cast out. And, and with that... Um, there are those that would want to say, can somebody go silence that? Cause it's going to keep ringing. Um, with that, there are people who, who want to say, oh, well, well, what this passage is talking about, um, is, uh, did you get it? Yes. Well done, Griffin. Everybody give Griffin a hand. Oh, no, no, too soon, too soon. So there are those who, um, and we've talked about several times through the book of John, this topic of can a Christian lose their salvation has come up. And we've seen in, in multiple places through John that it seems like Jesus is really saying no, that when you're secure in Christ, you're in him. Uh, well, those who hold a different theological view and will hold that you can lose your salvation, they would come to this passage and they would say, see, look right here, you can, you can be the branch that's cut off. Uh, the branch was in him and then it wasn't. Um, so is Jesus contradicting himself here, what he's already said multiple times earlier? Even last week, uh, we saw where he said um, that the Spirit will not leave you, that the Spirit will be with you forever if the Spirit comes to you. Um, is he contradicting that with right here saying that you can be cut off from the vine? And my answer is no, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying here, I think, is in keeping with the rest of Scripture um, in that all along through Scripture, it is clear that there are going to be those who profess to be a Christian, who profess to be one of God's people, and yet they really aren't. And for those people, there is not the hope of salvation. They are false converts. They are false professors. And so I think that is the group that Jesus is talking about here being cut off because um, what we'll see in this passage is that group is not bearing fruit. And the group that does stay and remain does bear fruit. And so what I want us to see from this passage is four um, kind of distinguishing factors on what your life will look like if you are abiding in Jesus's love. Okay. So the first thing in verse two, he says this, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. This is the distinguishing factor. Is the fruit coming from your life or is the fruit not coming from your life? This is the only way that scripture really gives us to know that we're saved. 
Nowhere in scripture does it say, you know, if you have prayed this prayer, then you are okay. Nowhere does it say, if you have done this, then you know for sure that you are saved. How it tells us that we can know that we are saved, that we are good with God for all of eternity is, do you have fruit in keeping with repentance coming from your life? Now, it tells us, like, this is how you get saved. You believe in Jesus. You believe in what he did on the cross. You ask him to be your Lord and Savior. You repent of your sins, and you come to him, and you ask him, Lord, please forgive me. Make me right with you. I believe that you are the only way for me to be made right with God. That is through your blood on the cross, and that alone, that I have hope and I have salvation. But how you know that that has happened in your life, that his Holy Spirit has come in and changed you and made you new— is the fruit that comes from your life. That's how you know that that's happened. That's how you know that's happened for yourself. That's how you know that has happened for those that you love. And so when that has happened, here's one of the things that's going to happen. Here's one of the things that that happens when you're abiding in Jesus's love. Number one, you're in constant communication with Jesus. You're in constant communication with Jesus. Here's what he says down in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words uh, abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So what's going on here? This is constant communication. His word is in you and you're communicating with him. You're asking, you're talking to him, and it's a two-way street. His word coming in and you talking back to him. And this is a key to abiding, dwelling in his love, is having this constant communication. I find in my life when when things aren't maybe going the way that I want or I don't feel like my relationship with him is the way that it should be, this is usually the area where things have gone awry, where my communication has fallen off with him. I've either stopped spending time putting his word in or I've stopped taking the time to sit and talk with him and communicate back. And it's because of that, because of that rift in communication, that I find that my dwelling in him, that my um, abiding in him is suffering. Not that it's cut off, but that it's suffering. And so the key when you're, when you're abiding in Jesus is actually being a branch that's pulling from that root and from that vine and contributing back where it's a a two-way street in this communication. Going on, the next thing um, we see is you, if you're abiding in him, then you're going to bear much fruit to the glory of the Father. We just read verse 2 again. I'll pick up in verse 3. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then skipping down to verse 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so proved to be my disciples. 
Um, my kids, uh, or the other night, we're, one of the things we do at night is we, we call it Bible time, but we watch like Bible videos on, on YouTube um, before they go to bed. And so uh, it's either like a Bible story or like a, a kid's worship song, something like that. Well, they found a new one that, they were, that we were watching, and uh, it's this whole song about, I want to bear fruit. Um, and so my son, after this, about halfway through this song, my son goes, Dad, what's a bear fruit? Like he was thinking like dragon fruit, but it was a bear fruit. He's like, I've never had this fruit. And this whole song's about this bear fruit. So um, why, why do I want a bear fruit? Um, so I got that opportunity to explain to him what it means to bear fruit and how it's, it's like different kinds of trees bear different kinds of fruit. And uh, he's like, oh, okay. So, so he under, understood that part at least then. But, um, but yeah, that's what, what we want in our life is we want to bear fruit. We want to bear fruit for Jesus, um, like he's talking about here. And he, what he's saying is, hey, if you're in me, I'm the vine, you're the branch. If your branch is connected to me, here's what's going to happen. You're going to bear fruit. And part of that is you're also going to be pruned so that you bear better fruit. And the pruning part, let me tell you, is not fun. All right? Just think about a branch. The part that's left on the tree or left on the vine pretty good for that one. It comes back healthier, stronger, produces more. Part that's chopped off, not so happy, right? And in our lives, when we are being pruned, when God is chipping away those parts of us that need to be cut away, it's not always um, a peaceful experience. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's challenging. But the point is, in the end, We are stronger in our faith. We are stronger in our relationship with him. We are better at abiding in him and more fruit comes from our lives. An important question to ask when we get to this point is, what is the fruit that it's talking about here? Um, I feel like especially in uh, Western Christianity, uh, especially modern Western Christianity, we try to measure things as much as we can. And is it quantifiable? So, um, so when we talk about fruit of a ministry or fruit of a church, uh, what, what things do we talk about? Well, we talk about like, well, how many people were there? Or we talk about um, how many people, how many new converts there were, right? Or, or how many people were baptized? Or uh, what was the giving like? And, and things that we can measure and we can quantify um, sometimes those are the things we say, oh, well, this is a fruitful ministry or this is not a fruitful ministry. And we, when we adapt that kind of mindset about a ministry, we'll easily fit that kind of mindset to us personally inside of that ministry. Of, Am I being fruitful? Do I have new converts that I'm leading to the Lord? Or, or how many of this or how many of that or how many boxes can I check? Um, and we can measure fruit that way. But I don't think that's the fruit that Jesus is talking about here. I think that is a byproduct of the fruit that Jesus is talking about here. Because I think Jesus is talking about the fruit here that Paul talks about over in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And what Paul is doing there is he's contrasting the fruit of the Spirit, what comes from the life of someone that that is abiding in Jesus' love and has the Spirit in them. And he's contrasting that with what he put right before it, starting in verse 19, where he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so Paul is saying, hey, here are the works of the flesh. And here's what your life looks like with the works of the flesh. And other, other places he says, and this is who we all were before Christ. This is what our lives look like. This is what we fall into if it were not for Jesus, if it were not for his grace, if it were not for his mercy. But for those who have come to faith in him and have repented of those things and turned from the works of the flesh, what we have is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And I think when you take what Paul is saying here in Galatians and you put it together with what Jesus is saying here in John 15, I think what, what Jesus is getting at is he's saying, hey, here's my goal. Here's what's going to happen as a branch that's, that's tied into me as the vine. You, you came into me with the works of the flesh. You came into me looking like all of this other stuff. But in the end, what you're going to look like is me. And so the Father is going to prune away these works of the flesh, these things of your sinful nature that you still struggle with. He's going to chop those things away. He's going to take that away. Your, your anger, your envy, your bitterness, your strife, immorality, all these things. And he's going to take those things and he's going to say, no, 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 that's not part of being a representative of Christ. That's not, that's not. And he breaks those things away in the ways that only he can. And what we're left with is a much healthier person who is no longer living in those things, but instead is letting the fruit of the Spirit flow from their life. And I think that's what Jesus is saying when he says, hey, here's what the Father's going to do. He's going to prune you, and in the end, you're going to produce better fruit. And so when you're going through that pruning, even though it's hard, take time to thank God that he's doing it. Because you're going to be so much better off in the end. And what this leads to is a topic that is often kind of, I think, overlooked kind of in, in our modern Christianity um, because we really push back against legalism, right? We don't want to be legalistic um, because we are people that live under grace and mercy and that is the gospel. And yes, that is true. But at the same time, this part is true and it's what Jesus says here. If you're abiding in him, you know what you're going to do? You're going to keep his commandments, you will keep my commandments. John fifteen ten. 
Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, we're not wanting to be legalistic about this, right? And we're not by any means saying, if you keep his commandments, then you're saved. That's not what we're saying. We know that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God alone. But when you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God, you know what you're going to want to do? Keep his commandments. When it comes to the Great Commission, I think we, we frequently focus on go. We do that. Yeah, we got to go, right? We're all about missions around here. We're about sporting missions. We've got missionaries all around the world. We're about go. Make disciples. Yes, we want to make disciples. We want to see more people come to faith. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, we're all about that, right? We, we celebrate baptisms around here. Then the last part, this is where it gets harder. And teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. So it's not, the Great Commission is not just go make converts. The Great Commission is go and make disciples who are following me, who are tied into the vine, who are new branches on the vine, who themselves are being pruned, who themselves are having fruit come from their life, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that is in keeping with repentance. And you know where all of this leads to? All of this leads to the fact that his joy is in you and your joy is full. It's the last, last verse here in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And those who have experienced this and know what this like is like you understand that even the definition of what joy is changes when you're in Jesus. It's not fleeting temporary happiness, but it's a sustaining joy that sustains you no matter your circumstances. It's a sustaining joy that carries you and flows through you, coming from the vine that you are tied into. And it's a joy that is not circumstantial by any means, but it's a joy that is completely based on your relationship with your creator that's coming through being tied in with the vine. And there is nothing like it, and there's no way to understand it unless you experience it. And so, this is how the Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control in our lives. It's through the joy of Jesus. His joy coming into us. His joy that led him to even die on a cross for us. His joy that's given to us as a free gift. Not something that we earn, not something that we get because we deserve it, but something that we get because of how good he is. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you so much that he is the true vine. Thank you so much that we get to be connected to him. Thank you so much for the fruit of the Spirit that comes from him and into us and then out into the world where we get to be a demonstration and a representative of him. And Lord, I just ask you to please, please help us to be good branches. 
prune us where we need it. Help us to know that that's what you're doing. And help us to walk in faithfulness to you. Help us to be obedient as you have called us to be. Lord, we want to see many, many more come to faith in you. But we also want to see many, many more learn to walk in obedience to you. And help us to be people who do that. Pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.